37 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to fall asleep while your neighbors are still celebrating the new year. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about highly rated games that we haven't played. First, we discuss a couple games we have played recently, like System Gateway and Escape Room in a Box Time Drifters. Then, we list our top five games that are in the top 100 ranked games on Board Game Geek that we want to play, but haven't yet. And now, here are your hosts, Andy and Crystal. Two quick announcements before we hop into the main episode. And the first one is that the next time you would expect to hear an episode from us after this one, there will be no episode. It is our annual holiday hiatus. It is the only episode we skip every year. We've been doing it since the beginning of the podcast. We're continuing this year. You get an episode from us every two weeks, all year long, without fail, except for this one specific instance, because honestly, planning recording sessions around the holidays is often difficult. And, you know... It's nice to take a break sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And then after that, we will be a couple of episodes away from episode 150, which is exciting. And for that that episode, yeah. So for episode 150, we're doing a special Q&A episode. So we will want some questions (laughs) to answer. (laughs) So if you have any questions for us about anything like board games or life or anything. um, Yeah, we'll answer anything. Well, within reason. But it doesn't have to be board game related. Y'all can ask us whatever you want. Like we got a lot of good feedback after our... um, top five five movies movies episode so yeah like ask us about whatever you want (laughs) yeah and you can send it to us at email boardgameblitz at gmail.com or you can send it to us through like twitter instagram facebook slack discord anywhere that you contact us yeah just i would say if you post it somewhere like in our discord or our slack tag us specifically (laughs) to just make sure again we're going to be looking in a lot of places for questions and we want to make sure we don't miss any. Obviously, that we're not guaranteeing that we're going to answer everything, depending on how many we get. But we do want to make sure we see them all. So mm-hmm. if you post questions somewhere, please tag us or let us know. Recently, I got a review copy of System Gateway, which is a fan expansion for Android Netrunner. And I got this from Project Nisei, which they're fans of Android Netrunner. So Android Netrunner was a living card game that was published by Fantasy Fight Games, but it is discontinued. And then Project Nisei is a, some people like are continuing Netrunner and keeping it alive because they really like the game because it's a good game. <laughs> I, I, if you've heard the podcast before where I've talked about Netrunner, like I, I really like Netrunner. I didn't play it anymore because I got rid of my cards, but like I really liked it when we, we did play it. System Gateway is a starter pack for Android Netrunner because it's very tough to get into Netrunner. It involves a lot of deck building. It's a two-player asymmetrical card game. So like you don't really know where to start if you're starting. So they made this system gateway which has two complete decks, one for each side, and it has everything you need to start playing Netrunner. Well, you need to like provide tokens and stuff yourself because it's just the cards. So you can buy this on um, drive through cards it's, or you can print and play it yourself. There's free print and play files available, but it's a lot of cards, so be prepared for that. Yeah, so I got sent a review copy of System Gateway and uh, the starter pack and the deck building pack, so, which is a separate a bunch of cards. <laughs> I so far have played three games of the starter pack, and the way it works is the starter pack has 
two decks that start out and it's like a shorter game for the starting out, like that doesn't have all of the cards in it and, and you play a shorter game and then you can add on the rest of the cards to make a full game after you're comfortable with that. So I like read through the rules and tried to do it like like a beginner, even though I know all the rules of that runner. Um, but basically the game is a cyberpunk themed game where one person is called a runner and the other person is called the corporation. And the runner is basically a computer hacker trying to hack into the corporation and steal these things called agendas, which um, give you points. And so the runner is trying to install programs. This is all card-based play. So you're drawing cards, you're playing them down, installing programs. You try to hack into the corp's servers. And the corporation is trying to put down cards that are called ice that protect the servers from the runner and like do damage to the runner. And they're trying to score their agendas by like playing them down and then paying to advance it. It's like their uh, projects that they're working on, the corporation's big projects that they're working on. So if you've played a games like Magic the Gathering or something, it has, it's actually, it was actually, I think, designed, Android Netrunner was designed by Richard Garfield too who was the designer of Magic the Gathering. So it's a similar feel. I think people who like those types of games, two-player card games, collectible card games, or living card games head-to-head would like Android Netrunner. I like it a lot more than Magic the Gathering because I feel like there's more control over the playing of the cards. <laughs> or maybe I just, just because I played Netrunner more, but, but I don't know. I mean, from the way you've described things, I think the asymmetric nature mm-hmm. is kind of one of the things that makes it special. At least that's what it seems yeah. like to me. Whereas in Magic, like, it's only asymmetric depending on, like, what style of Magic you're playing, what decks you're using, again, and what decks your opponent is using. And it's all very, yeah. like, kind of up in the air. Whereas Android Netrunner is a little bit more of a tight system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I like that a lot. And there's also like, there's different corporations that you can play and different runners that you can play. So there's (laughs) different types of decks that you can make for each side. And there's lots of mind games because the corp plays cards face down most of the time. So the runner doesn't know what they're playing and the runner always plays cards face up. So the runner is trying to like guess and the runner has to play aggressively to reveal what the corporation has. And then there's like, money like you need to make sure you have enough money in order to do things and it's very complicated (laughs) there's a lot of stuff going on but there's a lot of mind games and it's a very android netrunner is a very good game and system gateway is basically android netrunner (laughs) so (laughs) it's it's a selection of cards and so the first game we played we're like uh, I played with Toby because we used to play Netrunner together a lot. We were just so excited because we hadn't played in a long time. And we're like, this is Netrunner. <laughs> like, yay. <laughs> so I wish you all could see the joy on Ambie's face right now. Like it, it does not. I, I, I wish it, this is the one time I wish we did video versions of the podcast. You just look so happy right now. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was really exciting. And so then the second time we played like that, that first excitement had kind of like worn off. And then we wanted to get more into what we remembered of Netrunner because the beginner pack is a little, it doesn't have like all of the mechanisms of the full game. And then also like the cards were like easier, I guess. So then, so then Toby was getting like, oh, we need to like make make our own decks now. And because Toby really likes deck building. I'm not big on deck building. I would just make Toby make my decks for me. But then he's like looking at the cards. He's like, wait, I can't really like deck build with this. Because I, I want these other cards that it doesn't have because he remembers all the cards that we used to use. So for people who used to be like play a lot of Netrunner and know all of the cards and deck build with that, you'll need to get 
other packs but they have like other packs with the cards so there's like another pack i think that we're thinking of getting that that has all the cards that we want but this is compatible with android netrunner so if you have android netrunner already you can play with these cards and for i i don't know about beginners but uh crystal you got also got a review copy so you're going to be playing yes. and you haven't played netrunner at all so <laughs> accurate so yeah, up yeah in in the upcoming i don't know weeks couple of months or so i am hoping to learn and play system gateway for and it'll be my very first mm -hmm. experience with anything android netrunner so i'm excited to share my thoughts on that when i do it to give mm -hmm. a beginner's perspective yeah so i think the decks are okay it's designed for a beginner experience and having complete decks and the decks work somewhat well although i think we only played one game with like the full decks added together and i feel like what they added didn't really work as well or maybe that's just like i didn't like maybe it's not my style of play because <laughs> like each person has a different style of play too so uh, you usually build your deck to work with that style but yeah i'm excited to play more system gateway and i'm excited for crystal to play too Maybe we can play it together sometime. <laughs> yeah, I'm t completely down. You and I have discussed that like, once I mm -hmm. learn it, maybe we can play on stream yeah. together because, yeah, it is asymmetric. So we can mm -hmm. just have our decks and yeah. make it happen. Well, today I'm going to be talking about something that I think I talked a lot about in general earlier in the pandemic, and that's an escape room game. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. playing a whole lot of those at one point, and then I kind of took a break for a little while because I escape room gamed myself out to some <laughs> degree. But I'm back, baby. And the reason I'm back is because I was just like looking around online and I saw that my favorite escape room game system had come out with two new games and i was like wait what i had heard literally zero about them had not didn't even know they exist until i stumbled across them and that is from escape room in a box and this series it is two games that are connected to one another the series is called time drifters one is isabel's story and the other is kira's story i am not going to spoil anything so no spoiler warnings necessary here but the the gist of the story is that Isabel and Kira were traveling together in a time machine and an accident occurred that split the time machine in half. Isabel landed in one time and space and Kira landed in a different one and then each of them separately have to repair their halves of the time machine. And the reason that these two things are connected because the boxes are sold separately. They're sold as two different games and they're smaller than the other Escape Room in a Box games. Normally the Escape Room in a Box titles are kind of a ticket to ride sized box and these ones are much smaller than that they're mm -hmm. um i don't know what i would liken it to like uh, some board game expansions come in a box this size like tall and rectangular like mm -hmm. maybe the height of a ticket to ride size box but way more narrow the width of like an exit box i think yeah kind of that yeah that's about right and each game is a one hour escape room experience with some cool physical components as all the other escape room in a box games have had and then the thing that really kind of blew my mind that I thought was neat is when you finish both of these scenarios in the separate boxes, you then unlock a third escape room game that is played remotely using the components from the two boxes. So I think what they kind of intended with this series or this part of the series is that like if you have friends that you play games with remotely or your family you know doesn't live near you or whatever you can do one box you can send the box the other box to somebody else have them do that and then you can actually do the third escape room game 
over video chat if you want. You don't have to be in the same place to do the last puzzle. And it's neat because the answers that one person needs are going to be on the components from the other player's mm. box. So That's the way cool. we did this is my friend Kathy and I did these all in one day. We played the first box, the second box, and then we put a big partition in the middle of the table <laughs> and we each took the components from one box and then we did the third escape room game together. I will say generally the puzzles in these boxes tend to veer on the easier side compared to some of the other escape room games that I've played from other systems, but the physicality and the cool like actual like physical components like plastic boxes and things like that, um, manipulatables, make these kind of a little bit more of a special and engaging experience for me. You know, the exit and unlock games are really great, but it's nice to have more actual things to manipulate. I really enjoy that experience. The third scenario, the like the last one, was not like mind blowing because obviously at that point you've seen all of the physical components and you're just solving puzzles using those same components. But I still think the concept of being able to do two different escape rooms and then a third where you don't even have to be in the same place as the other people is pretty neat. Of the escape room in a box games, the werewolf experiment is still my number one easily. I think I flashback would still be number two and then these would easily come in at number three for this series for me. The Walking Dead version of Escape Room in a Box is at the bottom of the list for me. It, it was not quite as good. It did have a really cool physical component. I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast, but there was one very neat component in that one. But overall, the game was less exciting. So I'd say if you like escape room games and you have a friend that also likes them that maybe doesn't live near you, this is a really cool potential Christmas gift. Okay, so let's say you forgot to get a Christmas gift for your friend and you need something after Christmas. This is what you should get them if they <laughs> like puzzles or escape room games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually played one of these with with our friend because he brought it over he had already done the other one we were gonna do the both of them together at some point but i don't know we need to like borrow the other one from him and yeah do, do both of them <laughs> but yeah like i like the i agree uh the easier puzzles but like the cool physical stuff yeah i i tend to enjoy escape room games when i do not get frustrated a lot and so i do like puzzles that kind of like not crazy easy but like mm -hmm. you know on the easier side so that's why i think i like this system so much so yeah that's escape room in a box time drifters isabel's story and kira's story you know ambi we've grown a lot as both board gamers and podcasters since we started this show. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yes. Those of you who listen to the show regularly know that we've been, every now and then we've been revisiting topics that we've discussed in older episodes. And we're going to do that today, but it's, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. So way back in September of 2016, so more than five years ago, <laughs> episode 11, back when Cassidy was still on the show and we were all awkwardly <laughs> trying to have conversations with people we barely knew, we did an episode that we titled For Shame. And I will take all of the blame for the title of the episode and some of the sound effects we use within. <laughs> Sometime before that we recorded that episode was when the Game of Thrones episode showed up where there was a woman ringing a bell and crying out shame over and over again. Needless to say, we at the time were kind of just like being like, oh, this it's it's shameful that we haven't played 
all of these games that are in the Board Game Geek Top 100 list. And so we talked about that. And I want to clarify that five years ago, there was nothing shameful about the fact that we hadn't played those games. And there is nothing shameful about the fact that we still haven't played some of them and that we may never play some of them. Mm-hmm. I think as we've grown as board gamers, we've you know really come to learn and appreciate that there's a lot of board games, truly. <laughs> like, And, and you're never going to play them all. Yeah. (laughs) And like some of them are not a good fit and you don't have to play them to know that. So we are revisiting the same topic in that we're going to talk about our top five games that are now currently on the Board Game Geek's top 100 that we just do want to play. So this is not about shame. This is not about, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't played this. It's, hey, this game is popular right now and I kind of want to play it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the the preface to all of this. Ambie... What were your thoughts on that original episode or like how like all of this yeah, has I, transpired? I didn't, actually, I didn't get the chance to uh, re-listen to it. So I'm not sure. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know everything that we said. I don't actually I don't remember much of it. I just remember the sound effects. Yeah, the sound effects were, were notable. We didn't do we don't do sound effects almost yeah. ever, but I was I think I was adamant about it. I was like, we have to put the bell in. <laughs> it, it was fun doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like it's not shameful to not have played games and yeah. I know people call it also like the shelf of shame, the games you haven't played. But yeah, you you don't you're not gonna have time to play all the games ever and you don't want to play all the games ever because as you play more games you know you there are some games you just don't want to play and that's fine absolutely and like some people really truly do like to collect board games Mm. like obviously there are people who are like a board game is meant to be played if you buy it you should play it and I have a lot of games on my shelf that I still haven't gotten around to playing and I'm no longer feeling shameful about that I will sometimes have moments of sadness because it's like oh I bought that thing because I was excited about it for some reason and I just haven't gotten around to it yet but to me that like there's nothing wrong with that it's just like Mm -hmm. oh yeah I want to play that sometime and if I haven't yet that's okay yeah for us we actually got rid of a few games that we hadn't played they were still in shrink and it's like it would have been nice to play it but like we haven't played it and we're probably not going to so (laughs) yeah someone someone else can play it (laughs) So we, when we um, did the, the sound effects, there were six games that all three of us, Yumi and Cassidy, had not played at the time. And when we were going over our notes before the episode, Ambie, you said you still have not played <laughs> these six games specifically. Yep. But the only reason I wanted to bring it up is because I've actually played three of the six now, but I didn't seek them out necessarily because we did this episode or this list. I just over the past five years happened to have played them. So the three that you and I both still have not played that was in that original episode, we have not played Acquire, Eclipse, or Forbidden Stars. And I think I would like Forbidden Stars if I ever played it, but it's not in the top 100 anymore. So we're not talking about it today. (laughs) And then the ones I have played that I had not five years ago are El Grande, Arcadia Quest, which I played an entire campaign of with my friends, and Shadows Over Camelot, which I think I played once, maybe twice. Yeah, so I think the only one that I might want to play is El Grande, just to like try it out. I don't know if I would like it because I'm not a big fan of area control, but I heard it might be okay. Because, like, so- sometimes I like area control okay, and sometimes I don't, so. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the cube tower is, like, the fancy thing in El Grande or whatever. Like, that's one of the things that people always talk about with it, right? Mm-hmm. This leads us to another part of this in that our episode from five years ago is essentially obsolete now Mm -hmm. because the top 100 games ranked (laughs) on Board Game Geek have changed 
dramatically mm. in the past five years to the point where a whole bunch of the games we talked about in that episode are no longer in the top 100 or even close to it anymore. And there's a lot of new games because, yeah, new games are coming out all the time. <laughs> yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to run through our top five games that are currently in the Board Game Geek Top 100 by rank that we would like to play. I'll start us off with my number five because it's uh, it's kind of a cheat. Because <laughs> I actually... So here's the thing. I'm not a big fan of CCGs, LCGs. Card games in general are not usually my jam. But truthfully, I have the review copy now of System Gateway, which I'm excited to try out. And so I did put Android Netrunner as number five on my list. The reason I'm excited about it is honestly kind of just because you love it so much. <laughs> and I like trying things that my friends really enjoy, you know, and like, wouldn't mm -hmm. it be fun to discover I love it too. And then you and I can play it online together. So that's just like a fun reason to try a thing out. And the fact that mm -hmm. I happen to get a review copy just makes it that much easier. Admittedly, this is not the original Android Netrunner, but you know, it's, yeah. So <laughs> it's I'm excited experience. to jump into that. <laughs> and so that's kind of a cheat, but that's my number five. Yay. My number five is Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon, which is on my want to play list. So my list was actually kind of easy to make because I have four games marked as want to play and a couple games marked as owned that I haven't played yet. So I just kind of used those. <laughs> but yeah, Tainted Grail is a solo or cooperative adventure game. And so I've heard it's like a really good story driven game and good solo. Um, I don't really play many solo games, but like if I do, I feel like story-driven games are the way to go. <laughs> but I don't know when I would get the chance to play it because it's like a big... It's not like um, Legacy of Dragonhold where it's mostly like a book. It's like a big board and stuff too. So I'm not sure when I would be able to get play Tainted Grail, but it sounds like it would be fun. And then my number four is a game that I've truly been trying to play actively for years and just like... Every time I've almost had an opportunity, it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to work. So the game is Spirit Island. It's a large, long cooperative game. And like at BlitzCon, like three or four, well, gosh, four or five years ago now, like people were like, we're going to play it tomorrow or whatever. And I was like, OK, cool. I'm down. And then like I got busy or distracted or was in a different game. And then like I came over to the table and like they had just finished the teach and like started playing. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I like missed my opportunity there. And I've just like it's just never coalesced for me. It's just never happened. So I love co-op games. I love the mm -hmm. theme of Spirit Island that you're literally these spirits that are trying to prevent colonizers from coming in and destroying the island and taking over cool theme cooperative like everybody says it's a difficult cooperative game but it's really interesting i want to play it i will eventually so yeah my number four is spirit island my number four is another cooperative game big cooperative game called kingdom death monster I've heard a lot of good things about it like the game is really good and fun and so i want to try it the, the theme is kind of uh, horror and, and the art is like kind of mature, but I've heard like that the game is good and a lot of people, like a lot of people that are my friends have said good things about it. So I kind of want to try it at some point, but it's big and hard to get played too, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Anytime I've seen Kingdom are... Death Monster yeah. at a convention, it has been like a person wheeling around a giant like trolley with boxes piled up as high as they are and i'm like yeah, what is that and they're like oh kingdom like death a... monster and i'm like okay <laughs> like yeah, wow like a starter scenario <laughs> that i could try or something but... yeah, like 
People who like it, they like it a lot. Yeah. yeah, so that's why Kingdom Death Monster is my number four. My number three is kind of funny because it's Gloomhaven. And I don't just mean one specific type of Gloomhaven. I'll just categorize all the Gloomhavens together at this point. Could be Gloomhaven, could be Jaws of the Lion, could be the upcoming Frosthaven, all of the above. Uh, everybody in the says, top 100. <laughs> Yeah, they're all in there. And I don't know if Frosthaven uh, is yet, right? Well, probably not yet, but it likely will be if, (laughs) you know, if history uh, has anything to say about it. And I've owned Gloomhaven for four years now. (laughs) I punched it on stream for charity a little over a year ago. I have still never played it. (laughs) It's comical at this point. It's not like I'm avoiding it. It's just intimidating and it's just never happened. And will it happen someday? Probably. I don't know. Our buddies, the brothers Murph, actually just finished up speed running the entire game a hundred (laughs) percent and admittedly i know they're still working on when we record this i think they're still working on like side quests and things um i don't think they've finished completely yet but i know they finished the main campaign like way earlier than they thought they would which is bananas i would suggest if you all don't know who the brothers murph are head over to youtube or twitch and just search for the brothers murph and look for their videos on this because i imagine they'll be putting out a recap video probably some time lapse stuff and some other cool things so wanted to give them a shout out and yeah at some point i want to play gloomhaven that's why all of the gloomhavens are my number three (laughs) my number three is not a cooperative game uh it is fields of arl which is a two-player uwe rosenberg game if you're not familiar with his games they have like agricola caverna those games with farming and like worker placement fields of arl is another one but it's two-player only and we actually own this one (laughs) i think we got it in a math trade or something we're like oh yeah i want to try this sometime and i still haven't played it so i i I want to play it at some point and we we own it so i think it might be higher on my list because i own it and i think like okay yeah i can actually maybe get this played so (laughs) fields of arl is my number three my number two is Too Many Bones, which came out back in 2017. What's interesting is I don't actually know a lot about it. I know mm-hmm. that it involves dice, it involves fighting and adventuring, it's fantasy themed, and it's published by Chip Theory Games. And they actually recently sent me a review copy of Too Many Bones Undertow, which was the like follow-up, I think, standalone expansion that came out a year after the original. Mm-hmm. And then they just kickstarted another Too Many Bones fairly recently, but Too Many Bones Undertow, the one that I have, which is technically not the one in the top 100, but I'm kind of grouping them together. Like Undertow is rated an 8.8 on Board Game Geek. That's really high (laughs) with a lot of ratings. It is incredibly highly ranked. Uh, A lot of people really love it. And I've had people specifically tell me that I will like the Too Many Bones system. So I'm really excited to check out at least Too Many Bones Undertow, if not eventually also the base game or the new stuff that Chip Theory Games is coming out with. So that is why it is my number two. Yeah, I almost put that on, but I also don't know anything about it. (laughs) Because I've heard people liking Too Many Bones a lot and it's a cooperative game. I like cooperative games. Yeah, it's it's one of those games that like sometimes you hear like about a game and you hear good and bad stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but like with too many bones, the only stuff I've ever heard is people really like it. So <laughs> I'm excited to check it out at some point. Yeah. My number two is Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, which is another one that I own, but we haven't opened it yet. <laughs> so I, I played through all of Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and we played through part of Pandemic Legacy Season 2, but I'm not sure if we're going to 
be able to finish with our group because I don't know if like the rest of our group wants to finish. <laughs> um, I mean, when was the last time you all played part of season two? A few months ago, I think. But like, okay, our friend was like starting to not enjoy it as much. Like, I still want to play through it all, but we might just switch to two player. And and for season zero, I want to play two player, so like Toby and I can just go through the whole thing because we did four player for the other ones, and it's just hard to get get together to to play through the campaign. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I like Pandemic Legacy. I like the story. I like the gameplay. So I'm excited for season zero. Well, that leads in nicely to my number one. I have actually grouped two games that are technically not related to one another together, and that is Pandemic Legacy Season Zero and Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. These are two legacy games that were both very high on my want to play list, you know, when they released, and I just hadn't gotten around to them. And then, you know, pandemic happened. And so, yeah, getting a group together for legacy games has been more difficult than it even usually is and it's difficult mm -hmm. to begin with i've played through all of pandemic legacy season one and season two i played through season one with a group of four played through season two with my ex-husband had really good experiences with both of those games so pandemic legacy season zero is a no-brainer for me i want to play it i just don't know when or with who and then clank legacy a lot of people name Clank Legacy as their favorite legacy game, and I really love base game Clank. So it seems, again, like a no-brainer for me as something that I would really love and want to get played. I don't know player count-wise for, like, Pandemic Legacy, I feel like if I could get me and one other person, that's easy enough. Clank Legacy, I just, I don't know for sure, but it feels like it would be better with more than two people based on what I know mm -hmm. of Clank, but I don't know for sure. So who knows when I'll get that one played. I know I have a friend that owns it, but yeah, getting a group together that many times on a regular basis, especially when we're still at, in an active pandemic is going to be tough. So hopefully in the near future, I'll make that happen. That's why the legacy games that I've missed out on Clank Legacy and Pandemic Legacy Season Zero are my number one. My number one is On Mars, which is a Vitola Cerda game. So I like a lot of Vitola Cerda's games um, that I played like Kanban, CO2, The Gallerist, but I haven't played On Mars or Escape Plan or the newest one, which isn't out yet, Weather Machine. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I want to play all those and On Mars is in the top 100. So that made my list. I didn't particularly like Lisboa that much, but I think I, it was because I like the worker placement ones better and On Mars has worker placement in it. So if you don't know, Vitalisera does like thematic strategy games. <laughs> So I like thematic Euro games with lots of moving parts. Like you had to usually do a lot of steps to get something done. And then On Mars is themed around being on Mars. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> aptly named then. Yeah. Uh, I guess you're, you're settling Mars. So uh, that was a common theme, I think, in the last couple of years. But yeah, so On Mars, it's an interesting theme. And um, I like a lot of the taller games, so I want to try it out. And that's why it's my number one. So I think we've evolved and this is no longer about shame. It's about opportunities. And that's kind of what, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have renamed what used to be called a shelf of shame for them. Mm -hmm. Like they've renamed it the shelf of opportunity. So we encourage all of you out there, like if there are games that you own that you haven't played yet, don't feel bad. It's okay. You're, you, the games are not sentient. They don't mind. 
And uh, we, as your friendly podcast co-hosts, also don't mind that you haven't played those games. So do not let anybody judge you. If you haven't played something, that's okay. Play what you love. Discover new games when you have the time. And just enjoy the hobby. And we'll all be along for the ride. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. If you haven't visited LastLightGame.com yet, what are you waiting for? Learn more about this exciting new Forex game coming to GameFound soon. And don't forget that Blitzketeers get 20% off non-exclusive items at GrayFoxGames.com when you use the code BGBLITZ21 at checkout, or GFGBLITZ2022 if it's after the new year. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. A theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mouth. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, it's beginning to look a lot like game night everywhere you go. Bye, everyone. Bye. I know that when you hear this, it's basically <laughs> Christmas already. Um, but but it's past Christmas. Oh, it's past. It's, oh, wait. It's, oh, yeah. This, we're recording 30th. this really early. <laughs> yeah, yeah.